0: Log Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind. A mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, Fantasy Football Mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and flip, The latest NFL news and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazareth.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. It is October 25th. Yes, we're almost at Halloween. <laughs> boo, boo, boo. Okay, scary time week eight of the 2022 NFL season. I can't believe it, almost halfway through the entire season, more than halfway through regular season for fantasy football. My name's Michael Nazarek, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me, once again, my very good friend and very experienced fantasy football player and writer, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris?
2: Very well, sir. Very well. It's a tremendous storm going on here. I'm pretty sure I won't lose power, but you never know. But finally got a bunch of rain coming down here. You mentioned boo, boo, boo. You're living in Vegas. Could there anything be more frightening than the people on the strip already? I mean, really, seriously, that's a that's a terrifying place. So I don't no. know if that's <laughs> that's really something you really worry about on
1: Halloween. You do have a point there. I can tell you that until this past weekend, it was still 90 degrees every day here, and finally uh, we had the jet stream kind of come on down, and we had a high of 68 yesterday. So it's a really nice fall has finally sure. hit, just in time for the little go- ghosts and goblins to come on out and and uh, terrorize us. <laughs> So it's it's going to be interesting uh, halloween uh uh night it's that's going to be next monday night the uh, day before the next show so uh happy halloween to everyone since we're not going to be with you until ne- uh, november oh my gosh it's it's really just going speeding down the track here the train is just moving at a brisk pace anyway let's get right to the news and notes and uh, the big news is in your side of the country there in Indianapolis uh Matt Ryan uh he hurt his shoulder uh but that's not reason why they're benching him. And Sam Ehlinger is going to start for the Colts. And it's not just for one uh, game, Chris, Uh, what's going on in uh, Indianapolis and uh, what's your take on it?
2: Yeah. Talk about scary and frightening. That's even maybe worse than Halloween on the Vegas strip. Uh, Yeah, This kind of really came out of the blue. I mean, obviously, you know, people have been clamoring for, for something to improve with the quarterback play in uh, Indianapolis. Um, It's, it's hard to absolve Matt Ryan of any of the blame here. I mean, he is leading the league in fumbles and uh, interceptions, which is pretty impressive to, to lead both. I think sacks um, too. He's also, yeah, I was just going to say, he's also being, leading in being sacked. So that's not all on him either. That is a very highly paid, vaunted offensive line, supposedly the best or one of the best in the league that is, quite, quite frankly, playing like one of the two or three worst in the league, according to all metrics. So... Um, there's a plenty of blame to go around, but like any other time when receivers aren't getting open and uh, offensive line play is terrible, what do you do? You, you fire or you, you basically replace the starting quarterback. That's that's what everyone does. Fire the manager, you know, or the fire the coach. So, which is something that the Colts have never done in season during the Earth Day era. So I don't I don't think that's going to happen. But as far as what this means going forward, now Sam Elliott is a is obviously very raw. Uh, very raw uh, player, never played, never thrown a pass in the NFL. He's uh, much more mobile, much more athletic. Got a little bit of that uh, moxie kind of, you know, in, in recent years, the guys you might compare him to as far as stylistically might be a little bit more like a Baker Mayfield. Um, uh, maybe when he first came out, you know, obviously no, nowhere near this good. You know, Joe Montana, who was lauded more for his just kind of intangibles and it factor than he was for uh, for his actual physical skills. Yeah, it's, What's going to happen here? God only knows. Uh, the reality of it is is that they brought in a, an immobile veteran quarterback to play with a top-notch running game and a top-notch offensive line because he'd be safe behind that line and he could just manage it and make good decisions. Well, he hasn't done that, but nobody's done anything to lead into the, the situation they need to be in. So, if you're going to have an offensive line that can't block and you're going to have to have a guy back there, you, you can't have a statue back there. You've got to have a guy that can move. So, that's, I think, as much the motivation for the move uh, right now as anything else, is that Matt Ryan simply cannot function the way he needs to function behind that line, and I think that's making him play out of character. That, that's the best way I can interpret it, um, and I think this is going to have an, a fantasy impact. I, I just can't wrap my mind around what yet. Um, he should be able to avoid some sacks, but he may run into some other ones being, being a young guy. So I think he's going to probably look a lot like statistically a lot like uh, Matt Ryan has been with a lot of turnovers and sacks, but for very different reasons. Um, and I think they're going to overlook a lot of them because he's young. Whereas with the veteran guy brought in to save the day, they're just not tolerating that from, from a 37-year-old quarterback.
1: Well, I, what I find interesting is that we're talking about Frank Wright here, and Nick Foles is the other quarterback, and these guys won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia Eagles. So one question is, why not turn to Nick Foles first, or – why not? If you're going to go to Sam Ellinger, why do you have to say, well, he's going to start for the rest of the season when they haven't even started a game yet? Why don't you just leave it open to say he's going to start this week, see how it goes, and if he flops, then you can put in Nick Foles, and hopefully, you know that that does better. I I don't understand this whole rush all of a sudden to make this permanent change. Uh, I understand why they're doing it for, for, for Matt Ryan. First of all, he's, he's injured, and all. But number two, like you said, they're, they're not blocking, and he's totally immobile. But uh, I don't know why you're painting yourself into the corner. And they they just felt. And, and Jim Irsey, the owner, just said a week ago that, that Ryan is a leader and he's our man and he's our quarterback. And it's like a total reversal. One week later, what <laughs> what can you make of that?
2: Well, yeah, it's actually a total reversal from about uh, 16 hours earlier when Frank Reich said Matt's our quarterback. So, I mean, that's, that's wow. even more, more telling. But, you know, as far as a couple of the points you just made, Nick Foles, why not go Nick Foles? Because Nick Foles make, makes Matt Ryan look elusive and speedy. So that's the number one reason. If the problem is, is he's, you know, a sitting duck behind his lines, Nick Foles is going to be even worse. So, so that's, that's the reason number one there. I think the reason that they've said we're going to make this move going forward is uh, I, I think there's a little bit of politics here. Uh, in that they wanted to appease maybe some of the fan base that was unhappy and wanted to see what the young guy could do. But I think it's also to make him feel a little more comfortable that he's not looking over his shoulder. Even if he is, just to come out and say that maybe gives him a little bit of boost that the the coaching staff and maybe the front office is is behind a Sam Ellinger in a way that it's not just a stop, get, measure. We want you to see what you can do. That's that's the only thing I can think of. It's a little bit of a psychological ploy uh, to to help the young kid
1: out. Okay, I can see that, especially you don't want to put them on a short leash and, hey, kid, you need to produce now or you're out. I mean, come on, you know, they've held on to them so long here, a couple, uh, at least a couple of years. But anyway, uh, let's move on over to the next big news. Of course, the New York Jets lost Brees Hall for the year with a torn ACL, and they immediately w- went out and traded for James Robinson running back from the Jaguars, who had fallen out of favor, didn't even have a touch in the game on Sunday. Uh, The Jaguars quickly traded him uh, for a sixth-round pick, and then they get a seventh-round back. It's it's conditional anyway. uh, The bottom line is that it's James Robinson and Michael Carter now, with Ty Johnson as the third running back for the Jets. What's your take on on that situation?
2: Uh, I actually kind of like the move. It's basically a a 10-week rental. Unless they want to uh, make him a restricted free agent at the end of this year, his rookie contract will be up. Um, I, I think the fit with James Robinson and Michael Carter in tandem is actually better than Brees Hall and Michael Carter, who are basically, for all practical purposes, similar breed of, of, of running back. They're both really good receiving. They're both speedy guys. Brees Hall is obviously much better. He's having a great year. I don't, I don't want to say that Michael Carter is that good, but they can do a lot of the same thing. Whereas bringing in James Robinson, now you've got a little bit more of an inside hammer, a little bit more of a thunder and lightning kind of combo, that is, where, they, where they have very complementary skill sets. They can use Robinson on the goal line and the short yards, although he can definitely catch passes as well, and still use Michael Carter in the role he's, he's been in as a backup and as, as a uh, uh, as a pass receiver. So I, I like this going forward, maybe not this week, because they're playing a team that doesn't give up short rushing touchdowns, um, and he's just new to the team. So I think this week Michael Carter is still going to probably be a much more significant, significantly better for fantasy than James Robinson. But maybe going forward, especially in, in non-PPR leagues, James Robinson – Probably will have some some decent value uh, going for it. They also lost one of the big linemen this week, so the running game may not be as as explosive as it has been. Obviously, without Brees Hall, but also without a little bit of a attenuation of their of their uh, offensive line.
1: It's the other thing. I, I didn't put this down on our uh, on our rundown here for uh, for the show, but uh, you just bring up a good point. The fact that they may be uh, in trouble a little bit with the running game. Well, what about the passing game now? Uh, Corey Davis is out with a knee injury. They I'm not quite sure if he's going to miss this week. Probably will. Elijah Moore is coming back and is supposed to play. So uh you think that uh, he gets uh much of a you know a more more play this week when he's on the field he, in other words is Elijah Moore even a fantasy candidate to consider starting this week or do you just sit back and wait and see what happens
2: uh, I think if you start him this week you're you're taking a lot a passing a lottery ticket here uh Corey Davis is a little bit gimpy may or may not play this week so if that's the case Elijah Moore definitely could into one of those starting spots across from Garrett Wilson. I would be hesitant to start him this week, again, unless you just want to take a lottery ticket, that they're going to try and showcase him before the trade deadline and maybe see what they can get out of him. He is very talented, like you had said many times before. It's a shame they can't figure out a way to use him. So if he doesn't get action this week, especially if Corey Davis sits, uh, I'm going to have to wonder if he's still going to be on the team come the trading deadline on Monday.
1: Well, you know, the Jets have said that they're not going to trade him, and uh, Robert Sala did say that he was going to play this week. So, uh, you know, but, of course, we need to get through the entire week of practice. A lot of things can happen. If he comes in with a bad attitude, he could be gone and, and be sent home and, and kind of waiting kind of like Cam Akers there. Anyway, uh, let's move to another uh, wide receiver who's got a, uh, an injury and the injury. It's DK Metcalf in Seattle. Uh, his status is very much up in the air, although he said he wanted to practice on Wednesday. And the coaches said, hey, wait a minute. Uh, let's just give you a couple of days to relax, rest and relax. We're not ruling you out, but something tells me that they're not going to uh, play him this week. Marquise Goodwin caught two touchdown passes last week, but he was uh, kind of sharing. The, uh, the, the limelight there with D. Eskridge opposite Tyler Lockett. So what's the fantasy impact there for uh, for the uh, Seattle uh, Seahawks passing game and, and Geno Smith? How, how much is he hurt by all this?
2: Yeah, I think it's actually, you know, obviously it's going to impact Metcalf if he's out of the line if you can't play him, but I actually think it's going to have a little bit bigger impact on, on Geno Smith than a lot of people might think. He's had He's two really good receivers at his disposal with the threat of a of a powerful running game behind him. And Kyler Lockett's a little bit gimpy as well, too. We're gonna to talk about Geno Smith a little bit more later, but uh but I, I the the whole medcap thing is weird. Like you said, the chance he might be out a long time with surgery and all of a sudden we're not ruling him out for this week. I, I think you're right. Um that left a little bit of playing coy by uh by the, the coaching staff there in Seattle. I think Pete Carroll's just trying to you know, keep things close to the best. I doubt he's going to play this week and probably even maybe next week. But uh, that, that could be a significant impact. Marquise Goodwin and D. Eskridge, quality NFL caliber receivers. Goodwin's obviously got uh, a little more speed uh, as well than maybe even Metcalf, who, who showed his speed when he ran down at uh, Buda Baker a year or two ago. But uh, they're just they're just not the same offensive threats that the DK Metcalf are. And I think that's ultimately going to be uh, an impact on the overall passing uh, process prowess
1: and offense uh, in Seattle. Okay, let's get to this uh, shorter list of uh, injuries here. There's only one quarterback listed that we're going to talk about, so Russell Wilson with that uh, hamstring injury. He is going to fly with the team to, uh, to London. Uh, and he's trending towards playing. We'll see if he can practice the rest of this week. James Conner with the ribs in Arizona, he, you know, he was listed as uh, questionable even though he didn't practice last week. But the game on Thursday did not play as expected. So there's a good chance that he could play this week if he can get some practice time in there. Uh, DeAndre Swift uh, surprisingly sat out last week after practicing in limited fashion most of the week. He's got ankle and shoulder injuries. Uh, so there's, there might be a good shot that he can play. We'll see if he can practice uh, more fully this week. And then wide receivers, Amon ra St. Brown, uh, they took him out. He was a victim of that, uh, you know, instability uh, thing where, <laughs> you know, they said that he didn't have a concussion, but they couldn't put him back in the game and get used to it. People, this is how it happens. Uh, so we'll see if he practices and plays this week. Uh, fingers across there. If he doesn't have a concussion, there shouldn't be any reason why he doesn't. Mike Evans down in Tampa with the ankle. He sat on Monday, was limited in practice today, so he's trending towards uh, playing on Thursday night when they play uh, Baltimore Ravens. Debo Samuel, the hamstrings day-to-day for San Francisco there. Everyone's hoping and praying that he'll be able to play. Unfortunately, Mike Williams with the ankle. Uh, the Chargers are on a bye this week, but he's going to miss that time, uh, some time with a high ankle sprain. So they have a bye this week. He'll probably miss two to two to five weeks there. We'll see. In Baltimore is playing on Thursday. Rashard Bateman uh, was a surprise uh, absentee from practice today. They labeled him with a foot. Could be the same foot injury that he kind of uh, – uh, worked through and played through last week. We'll see. Mark Andrews, also with the knee, sat again today. Boy, uh, pe- people are getting, getting uh, screwed there when uh, Mark Andrews plays last week and didn't catch a pass. Uh, but it is what it is, people. Uh, you know, he's a league player. If they start him, you got to play him. Over in Green Bay, uh, Alan Lazar with a shoulder injury. We'll see if he can make it through this week. Uh, they're still waiting in New Orleans on Michael Thomas with a foot and Jarvis Landry with the ankle to we'll see if they can practice. And uh, moving to tight end. Darren Waller with a hamstring has not practiced this injury, so uh, people are crossing their fingers. Let's see if he can practice this week and get get in on the action. We'll see. Uh, Damon Njelko with that knee is expected to miss two to five weeks of action. Uh, Daniel Bellinger, boy, a really nasty eye poke, uh, actually fractured his orbital bone, and so he's going to have surgery. He's out indefinitely. The team is thinking about putting him on IR, but they haven't done that yet. Don't expect him to play for the next month. Logan Thomas with that calf. We'll see if he can practice and then uh, we also want to thank uh, FanDuel, of course, for being our sponsor, uh, weekly sponsor throughout the entire fantasy football season. So we want we urge people uh, for uh, to tackle millions in prizes all football season long in FanDuel's fantasy contests. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now, new customers get a new free single game entry when you sign up for FanDuel. Single game contests are a great way to get on the action for the week's biggest matchups, with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Just draft your five-player lineup and put your best player in the MVP position. That's where fantasy points are multiplied by one and a half. Plus, on FanDuel, you can also play full slate contests featuring multiple games, season-long best ball contests, and so much more. And when you win, you'll get paid fast, and I can... uh, promise you that because uh, they paid me fast before when I played them. So kick off your fantasy season with a free single-game entry. Just download the FanDuel Fantasy app and sign up with the promo code MASTERMIND, that's M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D, that's promo code MASTERMIND, M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D, to get your free single-game entry. All right, we're going to be right back after this important
0: message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. championship! Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing.
1: Everybody, come to our website uh, www.ffmastermind.com. Uh, you can check out our free uh, flag feature, uh, flagship feature, which is our free NFL quick bits, and of course, our free eye in the sky scanner reports, uh, including those from Chris Rito that cover the Colts. Our weekly fantasy newsletter midseason sale is only fourteen ninety five. Yes, the price of a large pizza maybe with a couple of toppings on it, too. You can try us out for the rest of the season. Uh, well, uh, that includes week 8 all the way through week uh, 17 now, uh, or is it 18? I don't know it's 18. Uh, yeah, all the way into, like, mid-January, people. So try us out there. And please follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. All right, let's get to right to the picks to click and flick for the week. These are guys you want to consider starting or uh, maybe benching uh, because of the situation or injuries and such. Let's get right to it. All right, uh, your uh, two quarterbacks that you like this week, Chris, and why? Yeah, but
2: last week there was a bunch of guys that were, on, that were on buy and very few streaming options. This is the opposite. We only got two teams on buy, and there's a lot of great streaming options this week. A couple I like, though, are Jared Goff. Um, I actually know he's been beyond brutal for a couple of weeks in a row, but to be fair, he was facing two really tough pass defenses with a lot of weapons missing. In plus matchups, Goff has been lights out, averaging over 28 points per game when facing bottom-half pass defenses like Miami this week. Dolphins are fourth most generous yardage-wise and sixth in fantasy points allowed. Goff exploded for 355 in a score in his only other game versus Miami after his NFL debut, which was also against Miami. He's got a good chance of a negative game script and a high game total, so I think he's got some good volume potential this week. And then I like Daniel Jones. Uh, Denny Dimes might be the highest floor guy amongst all the possible streaming options because of his rushing ability and his opponent. Um, He's actually number three in rushing yards and attempts amongst quarterbacks, and they're designing plays for him. He's carried the ball over eight times per game. This week, the opponent Seahawks have allowed over 25 points per game over the last month to quarterbacks. And after his week nine bye, I think you can look for a couple of awesome matchups, So. So Jones is really a great option for several bye weeks or as a spot starter going forward. Um, he's morphing into a low-end quarterback one. He's been the number seven quarterback over the last – despite season. only going for about 160 yards a game and three touchdowns because of the rushing. Imagine what he could do with some actual receivers.
1: Yep, there you go. Uh, go Giants. Worst 6-1 and one team in the league. <laughs> That's what they're trending on Twitter. All right, a couple of guys I like this week. Kirk Cousins. well uh, they're playing at home. They're playing the Cardinals. Cardinals secondary is far from good. Uh, What is it? Andy Dalton had uh, three or four scores last last week against them. So, yeah, uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, start him if you need him. Tom Brady, boy, I know it's been a mess this year, uh, especially last week against Carolina. But they're playing the Ravens uh, on Thursday night at home. Uh, it's a big game. The uh, you know Tom very rarely has two bad games in a row. It looks like Mike Evans is going to play, and that secondary is far from good. So if he doesn't produce in this game, it might be time to pitch him for good for fantasy. and That's heaven forbid. Anyway, uh, so it, I got Tom Brady on a couple of my teams, and I'm going to roll with them. We'll see. A couple of guys I'm concerned about this week: Trevor Lawrence, uh, Jacksonville. He's uh, he's going to struggle against a rigid bron- Broncos defense in London. Probably a, another one of those low-scoring games. And Aaron Rodgers, boy, along with Tom Brady, he's been struggling this year. Uh, he's got no reliable wide receivers now. Alan Lazard is healthy, uh, is not healthy, uh, and he's facing the Bills. Yeah, yuck. Okay, right to the bench, Aaron. <laughs> All right, Chris, well, how about you? A couple of uh, quarterbacks you're not crazy about, and why?
2: Uh, I mentioned Geno Smith earlier. For all of his early fantasy success and leadership, he's been more of a game manager recently with an average – everything just a tick over 16 points per game the last two weeks. He's also been about 16 points per game at home when he's not had to air it out, you know, partake in a shootout. So with the Giants on tap this week, they tend to keep the games close, lower scoring. They've actually been a top-seven defense in limiting the fantasy quarterback, only allowing one touchdown pass per game on average, and that's where he's been getting a lot of his value the touchdown volume. So I think the potential loss of DK Metcalf and the the slightly gimpy hammy Tyler Lockett means I'm going to have to see him perform with these lesser options before I get too excited. He was probably a waiver wire ad for you after the draft. So I would use your drafted starter this week instead. And then, you know, you mentioned all these other studs that are, that are collapsing. Matthew Stafford, he's looked subpar all season for fantasy in every category. He's quarterback 28 at under 16 points per game so far. He's also historically not been very good against the 49ers. He's lost six of seven starts, all three starts as a Ram, and in those three games, he's averaged 245 yards per game and has tossed more picks than touchdowns. Now, this week, that 49ers team was just embarrassed by the Chiefs and was getting a little healthier in the secondary week by week. They've allowed under 15 points per game to the quarterback until the Mahomes game last week, and he held Stafford to 13 points just a few weeks back. I think this is another ugly game
1: for the Super Bowl champs. Okay, how about uh, running back? You got a couple of running backs you like this week and why?
2: Yeah, I like Leonard Fournette. On a short week, I always value the run game a little more uh, as well, especially for a bigger back. And even though he was stifled last week, this looks like a good week for him to post some huge PPR numbers. The Ravens are actually top five in limiting the rushing of running backs, but they allow amongst the most passing points to position. And over the last five weeks, Lenny is number two in all receiving categories among running backs, averaging five catches a game. More surprising numbers, in his career, Fournette has averaged over 21 PPR points per game against the AFC North, and he's never scored below 15 PPR points in those matchups. So I like Lenny. And then Joe Mixon. I I know the Browns are hemorrhaging running back fantasy points, especially touchdowns. They've allowed two rushing scores by running backs for four consecutive weeks, and they've allowed four different running backs to top 16 PPR points in the last three weeks. But Mixon also has a tremendous history in this matchup, averaging over 26 PPR points per game in his last four versus Cleveland. His touchdown numbers have been down this year, but he, but he just feels due for a multi-score breakout game, and this looks like the opponent depends on that end. After a mediocre RB2 caliber start, I think he's going to be a top-five overall option this week.
0: All
1: right. Uh, a couple of guys I like this week at running back, uh, Zeke Elliott. Uh, yeah, I know he's been time-sharing there with uh, Pollard. In fact, uh, Pollard saw more snaps than him last week, but uh, Zeke got the scores because he gets the goal, uh, the goal-line carries. And he's going to get the bears this week, and they can be beaten uh, via the run at the goal. So I think he scores this week. And Jonathan Taylor, like you said, they caught a lot of passes against the Titans last week. Well, the Commanders give up a lot of passes to the to the running back too. I think he could catch ten passes in this game. I think he's also going to score. He hadn't scored since week two. I mean, since week one. So you got Jonathan Taylor. You're going to roll with him, and he should uh, help help you uh, win your fantasy uh, matchup this week. A couple of guys I'm concerned about. Just a little bit here, you know, you're going to start Damon Pierce. He's been very solid, uh, really, in RB2 uh, when he came in, possible RB3. It's a caution play. The Titans run defenses for real. Uh, but if they can get him uh, out in space there, you know, and he can always cha- break a long run and whatnot, it's just a caution play there. Just kind of temper your expectations. And Daryl Henderson for the Rams, uh, yep, the 49ers come a calling again, and their run defense is good now. They got blown out by the Chiefs last week. They're not, they're not going to be in a mood, and they almost dominate the Rams, so uh, Daryl Henderson is probably going to struggle to get much, so be careful there. How about you, Chris, a couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why?
2: Yeah, a couple of guys that were drafted as starters, but I have as mediocre RB3s or flexes this week. Uh, first is Najee Harris. He's yet to top 15 PPR points or 89 total yards this season after leading the NFL running backs in touches, catches, and targets last year. Even on the rare occasions he's found pay dirt, he hasn't scored. Um, this offense is just a little stagnant, dragging him down with it, even the negative game script that should feature his receiving skills. You get a well-rested Eagles team coming off a bye, already allowing amongst the fewest rushing attempts and yards in the NFL. I'm staying away from Najee, again, except as a number three this week. And then David Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery's only value is when he was dominating touch share and snap count, but those have been ebbing away to, to both Khalil Herbert and to Justin Fields. Uh, and Herbert does more with his touches, so... The coaches have said they're going to go with the hot hand. Monty just does so little in the passing game, and I think his window's closing. So when you face a Cowboys defense, it's allowed only two rushing touchdowns to running back so far this year. This looks like a losing proposition for Montgomery this week.
1: Yep. Okay, how about a couple wide receivers you like and why? Uh,
2: perennial guy that's on my click or flick list is uh, Brandon Cooks. Um, we can obviously start with the fact that Titans have been a, a fantasy paradise for opposing receivers. 44 points per game to the position in PPR. They've allowed five double digit PPR games in their last two weeks, last two games. And four times this year, they've allowed a 25 point wide receiver game. Cooks also has a nice history in five career games against Tennessee, averaging 18 points per game, including a career best 11 catches for a Buck 66 and two scores in Houston a year ago. Uh, so Tennessee is going to force the Texans into a negative game script and stifle the run game. So I think his volume is going to increase. And he also. there's rumors of him being trade bait, so I think they might want to have a vested interest in feeding him the ball to showcase his value. And then I'm going to say Devontae Adams here. Now, I know it's not a real stretch. He's a no-brainer start, but this is a good chance to share some stats which may make Adams owners a little happier after a little bit of a slow start uh, in in Vegas. He and his old buddy Carr had been misconnecting a lot, only about 50% completion before the buy. They came out of the buy, he had a heavy target load and a high completion percentage, so maybe they got their timing all figured out. Um, This week they traveled to New Orleans where the Lattimore-less Saints have been getting killed by opposing wide receiver ones, four straight guys topping 100 yards, and those guys have averaged 28 points per game in PPR. So I think Adams is going to contend for the top spot this week, and he looks to have turned the corner after getting acclimated in
1: Vegas. Okay. um, Let's see. Uh, we're, We're wide receivers, aren't we? Yes. Okay, a couple of wide receivers and all like this week. DJ Moore, and he's coming off a game where he finally scored. Well, the Falcons have given up 11 TDs to wide receivers in 2022. So if you got more, eh, stick with them. Uh, Devontae Smith coming off a bye. A.J. Brown, everyone's going to start A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith, uh, up and down, up and down. Well, he's going to be up this week. Number two wide receivers, burn the Steelers for big scores. Just ask Jabe Davis. Yep. Start Devontae Smith with confidence this week. A couple of guys uh, I'm not crazy about. Uh, Romeo Dubes, boy, that rookie, yeah, he's really good, right? Uh, what is it? four targets last week, no catches? Struggling with Rodgers plus Bill's secondary equal fantasy bench. That's all i got to say about him. Alan Robinson, well, he caught two passes for seven yards in week four against the 49ers. If you think he can do better, maybe he can do three for 15. I don't know. He's going on my bench. All right, Chris, how about you? A couple wide receivers you're not crazy about and why?
2: Yeah, a couple of caution plays. I'll start with Terry McLaurin. It's a homecoming for the kid from Indianapolis who is rumored to be coming here in the offseason. He's got a tough matchup against Stephon Gilmore and a Colt secondary that amazingly has allowed the fewest reception yards and fantasy points to the wide receiver so far this year. And the guys that have beaten them have been more the underneath guys like Juju and Deontay, slot guys like Christian Kirk. The bigger downfield guys have been stymied quite a bit by Gilmore. Indy's only allowed a handful of receivers to even get double-digit PPR points and only won the top 15 points in seven weeks. So um, after a turnover-plagued 2022 debut, um, I look for this to be a low-volume game for Heineke anyway. And then I don't like uh, Christian Kirk. He's a caution play this week. The Broncos are the most stifling pass defense in the league so far, statistically just behind the Colts in all, every category and more importantly, only allowing a single wide receiver touchdown so far in seven games. Um, even though he's the team's number one and a solid PPR number two guy, he's basically a slot receiver, so Kirk's going to see a faceful of one of the league's premier slot defenders in Kawan Williams and he's going to minimize his chances. Uh, London games tend to be fairly ground heavy too, and the Broncos gave up far more to the running back, so I think this might demote Kirk down into the low number three or maybe even flex number four range this week.
1: Okay, how about tight end, a couple of guys you like and why?
2: Poo-pooed all year is Mike Gesicki. Uh, he's done a bit of a roll recently, fourth most targets and PPR points in the last two weeks after a really bad slow start. He's done it with multiple quarterbacks, so it's not just a non-TUA thing either. So, um, As bad as the Lions have been on downfield receivers, they've actually been surprisingly susceptible to the tight end as well, allowing the fifth most points this year despite only facing one top 20 tight end so far. Um, They've allowed three tight end touchdowns and over six catches a game over the last three weeks alone. So with Gesicki being another guy rumored to be on the trading block, a little showcasing him in a favorable matchup, not a bad idea. I think he actually might end up with your Giants uh, to replace uh, Bellinger there. And then uh, I like Irv Smith Jr. After a week one goose egg, Smith has been a steady contributor and a fringe top 12 tight end in PPR. This week he looks like a solid TE1, especially with the top two guys on a bye, uh, as he faces the Cardinals, who have allowed the most tight end receptions and touchdowns so far, and just allowed a three-touchdown game to the Saints' tight ends last week. Um, You know the Cardinals are going to focus on all the very well-known skill guys like Cook and the two receivers, so I think this leaves Smith as a nice mismatch against most linebackers and safeties.
1: Okay, a couple of tight ends I like this week. Uh, Juwan Johnson, obviously, uh, coming off that two touchdown game uh, against the Cardinals. The Raiders also struggle against the tight end. And this is assuming that Adam Trautman is still out with that ankle injury, so monitor that. Uh, Zach Ertz, uh, I think he's going to rebound against the soft Vikings tight end defense this week. Uh, coming off a game where this, the Saints kind of shut him down, and of course everything was going to Hopkins. They're going to start spreading around more. Uh, they can't, he, Collar can't uh, <laughs> give Hopkins fifty plus percent of the target share. Um, every game. Anyway, a couple of guys that concern me this week, uh, Robert uh, Robert Tanyan for the Packers. The Bills have allowed zero tight end touchdowns in 2022, and also Cole Komet. Wow, uh, you know, this guy was a preseason uh, top 15 guy. Yeah, he's not even top 40 right now, and, and guess what? The Cowboys have allowed zero tight end touchdowns in 2022, so you sit co- commit if at all possible. How about you, uh, Chris? A couple of tight ends you're not crazy about, and why?
2: Yeah, a couple more preseason top 10 guys we'll start with Dawson Knox he's been a little hit or miss he remains a low volume touchdown dependent fantasy option outside of the top 25 in scoring and in targets but coming out of a bye week with a well-rested options on the outside and facing a Packers team that is one of the few to let yet to allow a tight end touchdown this year they've only allowed a single tight end to hit 10 points so far and their average is under seven points per game so I think Knox is only rostered in fantasy because of the team and the offense he plays for I'm telling you there's 25 better options out there And then Tyler Higbee. Um, He was leading all tight ends and targets through five weeks and was a surprisingly valuable PPR play, but he was facing some very favorable tight end matchups, and there were some other mitigating circumstances. He totally dropped off in week six, and his status coming out of the bye is a little bit in question with a bit of an ankle issue. Um, Higbee did torch the same 49ers team a few weeks ago for 10 catches, so he's not going to fly under their radar, that's for sure. But aside from that week, the 49ers haven't allowed squat to the tight end this year, even holding Kelsey to one of his lower totals last week. So. I think with the Rams also getting Van Jefferson back this week, his target share is going to come down. I'm just staying away from Tyler Higby.
1: Okay, uh, time for one hit wonders at kicker and defense. Hit me with them, Chris.
2: Love Riley Patterson this week for Jacksonville. The Broncos have allowed three-plus field goals for four straight weeks, and London's always good for a a football fest, kicking fest. And then I like Cade York. The Bengals have allowed four field goal attempts in five of their seven games so far and Cincinnati-Cleveland games are usually good for some, some high scores. Uh, defense is like two teams that are facing off against each other, um, Washington and Indianapolis uh, right here in town. Washington is number four in quarterback pressure rate, and they're facing a low-scoring team with a shaky offensive line and a quarterback who has thrown the same number of NFL passes in his career as Mike Nazareth. so I think that, 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 <laughs> that bodes well for them. And then I like Indy as well on the other side. They're, they're actually a top real NFL defense and a poor fantasy defense, but they could get healthy against a really battered and weak offensive line and the backup quarterbacks themselves.
1: Okay, that's, that's hilarious. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. For Chris Rito, this is Mike Nasrek. We'll see you all next week when we offer our Week 9 preview. Yes, Week 9 already, and it'll be November. Happy Halloween, everybody. Good night and good luck to everyone playing this week. Football!
0: Football? You know, a uh, physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.
1: Good day, sir!